All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. You are here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Great, doing good. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. We've got a pretty uh, pretty awesome special guest today we're excited uh, to introduce. So today we have Justin Hodgman. So Justin began playing juniors in the OHL um, from 2006 until 2009 suiting up for the Erie Otters and making the odd appearances in the IHL during the time for the Fort Wayne Comets. After graduating from junior hockey, Justin developed his play in the minor pro leagues in North America, such as the ECHL, AHL, and IHL for over the next two years, and then played in the SM Legal League the following year, and then the KHL until 2014. Justin finally received the call he'd always dreamed of and suited up for his first piece of NHL action with the Arizona Coyotes during the 2014-2015 season, and later finished the remainder of that season in the AHL with the Portland Pirates. For the next five years, Justin continued playing professionally all around the world in various leagues and is currently signed to play for the first time in the EIHL uh, for Sheffield. So without further ado, please welcome our special guest, Justin Hodgman. So yeah, Justin, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it sound, probably sounds like your mother wrote that for you, so sorry <laughs> about that. That's a long one. <laughs> Yeah, it's a long one, man. And it's funny sitting here thinking, guys, uh, you know, just listening to it and uh, kind of quickly going over all the memories of all those all those places. It's uh, it's been quite the journey, brother. I bet. Yeah, you are the journeyman for sure. Uh, so, Justin, I'll take the first question. You played for um, the Otters all four years in the uh, OHL. You ended up turning in a, quite a bit of a goal score, recording over eighty points and and sixty plus and sixty plus games in one season. So, what was your experience building with uh, the uh, Erie Otters and all the players and staff over the years? What was that like for you? Um, yeah, I mean that was that was a pretty obviously that was my longest day, my longest tenure in my career, um, and uh, there were options to leave throughout um, my time as I was, um, you know, playing as well as I was, and our, unfortunately our team wasn't um, wasn't the greatest, so there was always opportunity to leave. But I absolutely loved my time at Erie. Um, I had a special bond with my teammates, a special bond with my coaches. Um, and especially my billet family. Um, and I just, and I, I didn't want to go anywhere. Um, there were always great leaders to learn from Ryan O'Mara, Mike London, um, Vince Scott, um, Sean O'Connor. I mean, I, I could keep going. Um, so I learned from those guys right from the get go of, of, um, you know, I saw them play as a rookie and I, I did not play very much at all as a rookie. You know, I was a fourth liner, um, back when fourth lines barely play, you know, now it's, now it's top to bottom. You're, you know, the fourth line is, you know, difference makers and you see in the NHL playoffs, how big of a, a difference the fourth line can make now, but back then the fourth line did not play. Um, and so I just learned watching those guys. Um, and, uh, and, you know, thankfully, you know, as, as I, as I grew, you know, the, the opportunities came and the goals came um, and, 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 um, and, and, getting into play with better players and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, so it ended up turning, turning into a, a pretty good junior career. Yeah. So I noticed uh, your third year in the OHL and I know it also happened in your final year as well, which we'll get to, but you did finish the season I would assume. And then you were, I don't know if you were called up or if you were signed by the Fort Wayne comments in the IHL, you played 11 regular uh, season games and then, joined them for their postseason run, which ended up putting up 14 points in 13 games. So what was the story of you joining that team last minute and then doing it again the following year? 
Yeah, so it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, I was set to go to Norfolk back when Norfolk was in the AHL. Um, I was actually going to stay with the general manager at his house. They called me, um, and it's kind of that thing where I was undrafted, and, and Tampa Bay was kind of, you know, checking the waters, and that's where their that's where their uh, NHL team was at the time. Um, and so I was all set to go to Norfolk, um, and then almost I think it was the second last season of or weekend of the regular season. Um, I got a phone call saying that Tampa Bay essentially wanted me nowhere near their organization because they came and watched me have one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> and they, they, they just, they pulled it all out for under me. They said, nope, not going to happen. We're not going to waste our time on this guy. And, uh, and that was a very humbling uh, experience for me as a 19 year old. I was extremely excited to obviously go there, go to the AHL. Um, and at that point, all the other spots on other teams where guys were going to from juniors were pretty much taken up. Um, and my assistant coach in Erie, uh, Peter Sidorkowitz, um, was said, hey, listen, I used to play in Fort Wayne. It's a great city. I know the ownership group. Um, and, uh, and they're looking for a player. Would you want to go? And I had no idea where Fort Wayne was. I had no idea what the IHL was. I mean, this is like a six league team um, that was kind of like a startup team, not affiliated with anybody, almost like an independent league. Um, and I said, yeah, why not? I, I want to keep playing. I want to play pro. And, um, and that's how I ended up here. And, um, and now, now I live in Fort Wayne. Uh, I met my wife here. I got two kids here. Um, so uh, it wasn't, it wasn't in the plans at that point, but it honestly turned out to be one of the, the best decisions I ever made. Yeah. And so to follow up then, you did do that same thing during the 08 and 09 season, which ended up being your final season as well in the OHL. Um, you posted again, once again, 12 points, 11 games. So what was it like coming back for that second postseason run? And was it weird trying to adjust that new locker room and staff again, even though, I mean, you were there the year before, but maybe just some changes. You didn't spend too much time with them. I mean, yeah. how, how, how weird was that? It was seamless. Um, the leadership group, Guy Dupuis, Colin Chalk, Kevin Bertram, PC Druin, um, and, and also I could go on there as well. Leo Thomas um, was awesome at that point. Um, so, and then they knew I was coming back. They were pushing to have me back. Everybody was, and, and I was as well. Now, on the flip side, on that second season, I had opportunities to go to the AHL and like multiple ones that I could pick from. And I remember talking with the Cleveland Monsters and telling them essentially, they were like, hey, we wanted to come in, play the last, you know, five games of the regular season. Um, and I said, sorry, I'm going to go play in Fort Wayne. He goes, they, they said, the IHL? You're going to turn down the AHL for the IHL, like independent IHL? And I said, listen, I got a young family. Uh, like, again, I know the leadership group. Uh, I mean, here in Fort Wayne, on a regular season night, we get seven, 8,000 fans a night. You know, when I won that championship game um, the first year, we had 12,000 fans there. Um, so it was it was a no-brainer for me to come back that second season um, and turn down those AHL teams. And then I did it again for a third time the following year. We we won all we won all three. We three-peated. Um, and at that point, I was in the AHL. That was my first pro season. I was actually playing for the Marlies. They were going to send me to Reading uh, in the East Coast Hockey League for their playoff run. Um, and I told Dallas Aikens, I said, "Hey, can you?" Um, assign me to Fort Wayne. He goes, are you, again, he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, please. Will you, you know, assign me to Fort Wayne? It's my home. <laughs> and I did the whole thing again. It's like, it's almost like, it's pretty comical actually. Yeah. So uh, before I uh, ask my question, Justin, you mentioned uh, Peter Sadurkovich. So you're talking an old goalie from Hartford. Yeah. I played in Hartford, played in Ottawa. Um, and he was my assistant coach and head coach uh, in Erie when I, while I was there. 
Good. Uh, Suman, you spoke highly of him. Good guy. I mean, I just remember him. I try to teach Andrew here a little old school hockey. Yeah. And he was, uh, yeah, I remember him with Hartford. So okay. nice guy, obviously. Good yeah. coach. Pardon me? Good coach. Yeah, great coach, great guy. Um, I, I would, I, I haven't run into him in my career um, since, but I would, I would love to just sit down and catch up and, and um, you know, he he kept things light um, for us, you know, as the assistant coach there, and um, stepped into a pretty tough head coach job um, with with the team we had, and didn't work out very well. Um, but you know, to talk about his character, when he got fired actually as a head coach, they kept him around to be an assistant coach. Um, because of how much he meant to the organization and, and the players. So uh, not talking about good things about, uh, about Peter. So you keep getting, um, you know, these opportunities uh, while you're in, in junior and finishing junior. What was it like to receive your first pro contract? Because you're undrafted, not that that doesn't mean anything, but undrafted. What was it like? Um, and was it Toledo that you signed your first pro contract? Yeah, it was uh, the, the two-way between Rockford and Toledo. Okay, so what was that like to finally, you know, put the ink on the paper and you're a pro player? Yeah, no, it, it felt great um, at that time. Um, it was honestly probably another piece of humble pie um, because after my 19-year-old season in the OHL, there was, you know, rumbling, rumblings about obviously undrafted. Um, I actually got a phone call on draft day from the LA Kings telling, telling me to expect to hear my name called. Uh, they had two picks in the seventh round. So the last round of my last draft year possible um, after having a great season. And they had back-to-back picks. And I'm sitting there, and another 19-year-old goes. Um, and then they traded the second pick after that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that didn't feel great. Uh, but there was – and then there was a bunch of opportunities to go to um, NHL training camp, rookie camps. Um, I ended up picking Minnesota. Um, they offered me um, – they offered me a, a contract in the AHL back when they had a, uh, in Houston. Um, and I decided to go back for my junior year to kind of dominate and earn an NHL contract opposed to an AHL contract. Um, that was kind of my plan. Uh, plan didn't go as well as I had hoped. Um, in my 20 year old year in the OHL didn't earn an NHL contract. And that's how I ended up in Rockford and Toledo. Um, and then that's where the, that's where the grind kind of, kind of started but I was uh you know obviously thankful for for any opportunity to get, to get going and and Rockford um actually yeah made it happen so I mean we're a little bit familiar with uh because we're talking uh ECHL at the moment uh we're familiar with kind of the what the pay structure could be from the smallest to the largest and making a you know a AHL salary and all that stuff but when do when does players when do you feel that you need some sort of like an agent or a guidance to uh, do you needed it when you was getting to uh, uh, the ECHL or is that going to be a later on deal? Like when does a up and coming hockey player that's now a pro, you probably don't need an agent. Maybe you do, maybe you're not. I mean, what is it? What's, what's the process? Um, Yeah. So right, right around there is when I really needed help. Like what's, what's the best uh, when you, when you're making that transition, what's the, um, what's the best team to go to, you know, who are the prospects that I'm going to be playing against? Um, how are they with their rookies um, and the system? Um, all that stuff. And my agent at this time was actually Kyle Dubas, you know, the GM of the yeah. league. Um, and he was unbelievable. He was an up and coming agent at that time. Um, obviously he's doing unbelievable things for himself and the organization as well with the Leafs now. Um, 
but I, and I was extremely thankful for all his help. But um, but yeah, so we actually, like, you know, we chose Rockford and, and Toledo was it, Toledo was a new team, um, hockey town, extremely um, exciting um, opportunity. Um, and that's and, and yeah, so that's that's when you want to start, right? Right when you're getting all those calls, you know, what training camp are we going to go to, and and um, you know, what's the best fit. Yeah, so um, that first season, though, when you played professionally, you only played with the Toledo Walleye about half the season, and you were called up to play for the Toronto Marlies of the AHL. So at that point, when you were called up and doing well in the American Hockey League, I mean, what were you feeling pretty confident that the NHL goal was in reach at that point? I mean, what was your mindset during that time? Yep, still in reach for sure. Um, I actually got traded to Toronto. So okay. because I was under contract with um, Rockford, um, I couldn't get called up anywhere else. Now, a lot of guys now are under contract in the ECHL with just the, like just the coast teams. When you're under, under contract with just the coast teams, you can get called up anywhere. So you can play for every team in the American league that year until they put you under contract, right. Or else they just call you up on a PTO. Um, so I actually was on an all-star break. I actually, I drove back to Erie to see my, my billet family on all-star break and my, uh, my general manager called me and I thought I was getting called up and he goes, we traded to Toronto. Um, just because I was kind of stuck in Toledo, Rockford had a pretty good team. Um, and, um, and Toronto was struggling at the time and was looking for a little, you know, a little help. So they did, they just traded my rights to Toronto and Toronto called me up right away. Um, and then I put the coast in my rear view mirror and, and, um, was with Toronto for a year and a half and it was, and it was great. So from 2010, 2011, you grinded out in the AHL and the East Coast League. And then let's fast forward to your five-year tenure in Russia. You played uh, for the uh, SM, I guess it's Liga League for a year, and then the KHL for the next four seasons. So here's a question. We've had on, um, I don't know if you've ever run into David Ling. He used to play over there in the KHL and a few other guests. But what was it like? over there in the KHL. Yeah. So sorry, not to, uh, not to correct you, but I was there for two years. Um, okay. it, looks, it looks a lot longer than it was because I ended up playing for three teams. Um, and that first year, that's the SM Liga. That was Finland. Um, oh, Finland. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you, you talked earlier about, you know, um, fighting for the dream of the NHL. When I left for Finland um, after my second year in Toronto, it was almost like, all right, that's kind of it. You know, like you, you usually when you go over to Europe, at least in my mind at that time, I said, you know, it doesn't look like I'm going to crack anybody's lineup. Um, you know, the the money for a second or third year guy in the American League, to be honest with you, isn't great. And, you know, a lot of guys go to Europe just because of the, you know, financial opportunities. Um, so I left early. A lot of guys don't go until they're, you know, late 20s. And I was 23 and I just decided that I needed to change. And, um, and so this team in Finland, um, offered me an, an okay contract, nothing crazy, but I, I knew that if I had a good year, that big things could come elsewhere. And, and I believed in myself at the time. So um, I had an unbelievable year in Finland um, with my family. Um, they were over there with me. Uh, we ended up losing in the finals, but the team that I played on um, the year before almost got relegated. They finished last place and had to win a play in game just to play in that league or else they would have been in the second league. So the organization was not in a good place. Um, they had an overhaul. I was one of the players they brought in. We ended up going to the finals. So um, it was a pretty cool story. Um, and, um, and then that propelled me to the KHL. So I, I, um, I, they, I had calls from Russia in, in March. Um, and I ended up signing in Russia for the next season while I was still playing in Finland. 
which was which was pretty cool. And then it you know and then it turned out Paul Maurice was my head coach. Uh, he was bringing in Tom Barrasso as the assistant coach, which was you know just crazy for me. I think Paul Maurice is probably the best coach in the NHL, maybe in the world. Um, the way he deals with players, and then obviously I I grew up watching Tom Barrasso and and the Penguins. Yeah. And so it was a very very uh, cool experience for me. And then it was the lockout year. My first year was the lockout year. Um, so we had uh, Malkin, Gonchar, oh, Kuhlman, Zuccarello, O'Reilly. Uh, I mean, our roster was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then playing against Datsuk and Ovechkin and Radulov and, and all those guys. I mean, my that first year in Russia was like, I mean, that, that's as good as it gets. I mean, that hockey is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, you know, two great years in Russia. My second year, um, I ended up getting traded, um, for Tim Brent, who was actually played with in Toronto, was one of my captains in Toronto. Um, he wanted out. I did not want out of where I was. I loved where I was, but he wanted out where he was and the team that he was on kind of offered were asked for me. So it was just a, a, a straight switch. Um, and then, uh, that, my team ended up beating me in the first round of playoffs. The my former team ended up beating me in the first round of playoffs and then going on to win the championship. So that was a pretty, pretty tough pill to swallow. Um, but just beyond thankful for the experience. And, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched a KHL game, but that hockey is as good as it gets, man. It's, yeah. it's great. Well, and it must've been kind of, and I'm not the uh, Finland expert, but uh, you know, most Finnish and Swedish players, they're more finesse and not much grind just to be general. And then you go to the KHL where it's, like you just said, a, a tough league. Uh, what was it like for you? Did you have to change your game? Because, I mean, there's plenty of clips of you. And if our listeners uh, haven't watched any of your fights, you can throw them. You're a tough, you know, physical player. But what was it like going from, uh, you know, Finland and assuming that they're more finesse than in the KHL where it's, it's rough. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that dad, because I, my follow-up question for him was the one time that Justin eclipsed a hundred penalty minutes in a season was in Finland. Yeah. So what <laughs> happened there? I mean, yeah. I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, you know what? So in Europe, they actually hand out, like when you get a 10 here in North America, it doesn't actually go to your penalty minutes. Like you get a 10 minute misconduct. It doesn't go to your penalty minutes. Well, over there, they add all to your penalty minutes. Um, so that was a mixture of, um, <laughs> dealing with European refs and, uh, and <laughs> mouth a little bit too much. Um, and, um, and then they do, especially in Finland, anything after the whistle, they just, they don't want to, like, they was, they want to focus on the hockey over there. Right. Um, that's the big thing. So coming over from North America, I was just a little chippy. Um, and so I was picking up tens left, right, and center. So that's where my, so that's where my, um, uh, probably minute count went up, but to be honest with you, the finish hockey, um, just suited my game more, um, oh, bigger eyes, like, you know, room to move, you know, I am more of a finesse skilled player. Um, and when you talk about the fights now, I, I don't win very much, let's be honest. Um, if your wife, you're going to go and watch them, but as a bigger skilled guy on the top two lines whenever someone you know tries to take liberties on my line mates who are typically smaller than i am i'm the closest big guy that has to do something so that's where those fights usually come in um 
the only time, the only time I really wanted to fight was when I was a rookie in the OHL and I was trying to get more playing time. So I would go out and fight and then I'd get, I'd come back in the playing box after five minutes and I'd get bumped up to the second line. Cause it looks like you're, you're engaged, you know? Um, so really that's, that's all it was. I did not want to fight. I just knew that I was going to get more playing time when I got back. Um, and then I, honestly, in the end of my career, it was, it was more just uh, sticking up for, for, for my line mates, not, not going out there looking for anything. So how do you chirp to these, all these European and Russian players if, uh, you know, if you don't speak their language and they don't speak much English? I mean, what do you, what do, you do? It's pretty fun. It's, yeah, you just get, it's like broken English, broken Russian. And, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you can, that's the other thing. You can get away with you know, yelling at the rest because they have no idea what you're saying. So, <laughs> for the most part. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it, that chirping is, if you know me and anyone who's listening knows that that's, a big part of my game and uh yeah so it doesn't matter what country i'm in it's it's coming <laughs> so any any crazy stories coming out of uh the khl we'll just share one that and this was i think early on when not a lot of americans went over there and this was the federation or canadians yeah. going over there uh you know david ling i think this is early 2000s he went over there and he him and another uh, uh canadian were over there and they would get paid monthly and it was cash and they had to hire like uh, gunmen, mafia gunmen, to 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 get their money and move it to uh, some other place to put it in a safe. It seemed like this crazy. Their apartments would get robbed every month. <laughs> what was your experience like, Justin? <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I heard all those stories. Uh, everyone's heard them. Um, by the time I got there, um, and I think this came down from honestly Putin. Um, wanting to have the second best league in the world um, and and have it on better uh, better standing, um, they really cleaned up the league before I got there because I heard all those same stories. Now it's it's still Russia. There's still a whole bunch of stuff going on, um, you know, behind the scenes. But by the time I got there, it was cleaned up. Um, I didn't have I wasn't scared for anything for one second. I wasn't worried about my money. I wasn't worried about my safety. Um, we did have a driver. Um, in the two cities that I was in, but we also had a car. So if we wanted to go, so like, oh, like, so it was myself, Zuccarello, um, and Cal O'Reilly and then Ryan O'Reilly as well. And we just essentially hired a, a driver that would pick us up in the morning and take us to and from. And, and then that way we didn't have to worry. Honestly, the craziest thing was the Russian roads. That's, I don't know if you heard that, that story, but driving in Russia is one of the scariest things you can do <laughs> it's just it's just a complete free-for-all so that's why we hired a driver so there was no issues um but like i said we had the car as well so you know none of those crazy you know um scared stories um there was definitely some cash payments um and then but we had we felt safe enough to just take it straight to the bank um after practice um but i've heard stories of guys that getting cash before practice and then taping it underneath their equipment um like during practice because they didn't feel safe having it in the locker room during like, like oh yeah and that's 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 the stuff that was before me that I was kind of preparing for and, I, and then I got there and it was honestly it was it was great um I had one issue at the end of my last season my second season getting paid on my last paycheck <laughs> that, that's that's honestly pretty typical for a lot of places you go to at the end of the year you usually want to make sure you get paid before you leave yeah yeah, yeah. so speaking, <laughs> speaking of pay then what what was the pay rate like compared to the KHL and to the AHL and ECHL? Because you hear that they get paid pretty well over there. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, like double, you know, because you said the AHL, you said second year, you don't get paid nearly as much. 
at that no, point? I was, yeah, I was making 50,000 Canadian in the American League, um, 50,000 euros uh, my first year in uh, England. Uh, or, sorry, not England, uh, Finland. Um, and it's a significant jump. I don't know if I want to say the number. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not. We're not looking no, for a number. But, but interesting that yeah, it's interesting. We could say I could say safely more than ten times what I was making. Wow. We because uh, really we, we hear the old stories of the old uh, IHL of some players, uh, you know, in the uh, early nineties would opt actually go to the IHL compared to the AHL because the IHL is almost paying as much as the NHL. Yeah. So, um, so that was the old IHL. That's not that. Yeah, that's not the IHL that I played in. The IHL that I, I played in kind of came back around. It was essentially like the SPHL now, okay, or the okay. or the Central League. Um, yeah, but I yeah, that's why I mean that's why guys go to Russia. I mean they they got a whole lot of money over there. My I think our owner was worth eighteen billion dollars, um, and we would get and we would get three thousand fans a game paying like the equivalent of like three dollars. Like they're not making money. They just want to have a really good league. I like Malkin was making nine million dollars for the one season I was there. It's coming like in the lockout, you know, like absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Our goalie was a Russian goalie making five point five. Um, uh, Maziakin, if, if if you don't know the name, go look up his elite prospects. Unbelievable player, like probably the best Russian-born player to never leave um, the country. Um, absolutely could have played in the NHL, um, extremely decorated um, and on the world stage and the Russian stage. I, he was making $5 million. Like our payroll, I think, was $55 million. Wow. So, well, yeah. yeah, and you hear Kirill Kaprizov, the rookie stud over in Minnesota, he got offered $9 million contract over eight years and he rejected it and is saying he might go back to the KHL because they're offering more money. So I was just always curious. Oh, he, he must be offering way more money. He, he would go to St. Petersburg. There, they bring in eighteen thousand fans a night. Unbelievable city, unbelievable fan base, unbelievable team. Compete for a championship every year. Um, the owner is best friends with Putin, um, and which is a, it's a big deal over there. Obviously, you know. I bet, yeah. Um, and uh, he's it's, it's just stupid money that, that they're throwing at guys. There's no doubt in my mind, uh, Kaprizov would make in the like ten, fifteen million dollars if he went back to St. Petersburg, which I'm sure he will one day. Yeah, um, but we're lucky to have him here in, in North America for sure. He's a he's a thrill. Yeah. So now um, this brings you know the most interesting part of your story. So after the KHL experience, um, you end up uh, going to the what the training camp for Arizona. You got invited to that. Yep. And um, and you actually uh, make the team. What was that like? And what was the process? And we should ask this as well. We just. And uh, with your time around there, I'm not sure if it's going to coincide with his, but um, um, we just had on the Arizona coach and, I mean, uh, Arizona uh, scout and then uh, assistant director scouted Jeff Tui. I don't know if, if, if he might have been played a part in, in a scouting of you. I'm not sure. We, we should have. We, sh- we didn't know this when we had Jeff on the show last week, but we, right. we would have asked him. But anyway. Um, what was it like to, uh, what was the procedure to getting into, uh, the training camp? Yeah. So I had my, my two years in Russia, uh, my family didn't come. I had two young kids, um, and, and a wife and just, I had felt like I had put myself in a good financial position, which was my plan going over to Europe. Like I told you, I'd kind of given up on the NHL. 
Um, but with my play over there, my agent said, listen, teams are interested. Like you're getting like if the dream's not over. There's, there's interest. Um, now, I mean, I was 26, you know, there's not, not a whole lot of interest and, and they had, you know, scouting years of scouting on me in the American league and the, and the OHL. Um, so they weren't surprised, completely surprised. So I, there was a, um, I was in the, I was in the system, you know what I mean? So my agent said, why don't we just take a shot? I got offered. I got offered $2 million for two years to stay in Russia. And I ended up signing a minimum contract in the NHL and then the HL two-way contract um, just to give it a shot. Like I said, I felt like I was in a good place. And, and so the way I got my shot was I paid someone to clip all my goals and assists from my time in the KHL. And I just sent it to every, I sent it to my agent, he sent it to every NHL team. So, cause they weren't over there physically watching the games or I'm sure they weren't tuning in on, you know, they could have pulled it up. They wanted to, but that's the way I did it. I clipped my own videos. I sent it to every NHL team, Arizona, Arizona bit. Um, you know, they gave me that contract and I said, why not, you know, why not try it out? Um, they told me, they signed me as a depth player, probably second line American league player um, with a chance to make it possibly throughout the year really was kind of what was the conversation was. And I said, great, I'll take it. Why not? Let's, let's just try. Um, so I get the training camp and like, I, I just couldn't stop scoring goals. Like I'm not even like that big of a, I, I really, I, it's, I'm not I'm really trying to, I'm not that great of a goal scorer. Um, like I like scoring goals, but I would much rather have 50 assists than 50 goals. Like I'm, I, I consider myself a playmaker. Um, but for whatever reason, I stepped into my first game at the Staples Center there, an exhibition game, goal and assist. And then we, we um, shipped over to Anaheim, two goals. Um, I went up to Edmonton, didn't play very well, thought I might get cut. They were starting to send guys in the American League, did enough to stick around. Um, then we went to San Jose, um, goal in the first period, goal in the shootout. And it's just like, you know, that's when you're there, you're just kind of trying to give them a reason to keep you around. Like you just right. don't give them a reason to, to send you down. If you're scoring goals and then that's obviously a good thing. So um, it came down to me and another player. He was a defenseman. I was a forward. Everyone had been sent to the American league and I could not believe I was in this position. Like, you know, the hotel was full of 50 guys, you know, for training camp and it's down to two. So I called my buddy, uh, Matt's baby. We, we were good friends and, throughout training camp and I said hey you want to go grab lunch um and he goes he goes no I'm checking out they just cut me you made the team and I was like what <laughs> like that's how that's how I got the call really wow. I mean, you know, wow. like, you, like you, you think of like you know the GM calling you and, and all that no <laughs> he goes he goes I just got cut you made the team and I was like holy shit like wow I was that was uh <laughs> an unbelievable feeling obviously. And then, and then soon after I got the call from uh, Don Maloney and, and, um, and then after that, it was just kind of that whole whirlwind, whirlwind thing that, you know, everyone talks about just, you know, dreams come true. So uh, take us through uh, the, your first goal, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, it's against Florida, right? Against yeah. Longo. Yeah. And you, you score right off of the, uh, the, the left post really uh, yeah. just right in the right place at the right time. So, Obviously, I, I'm assuming instinct takes over, but when the puck goes in the net, I'm sure you're just like, holy shit, this, I just scored my first real NHL goal. Or since you scored like something, I don't know, would you score like 11 goals in your preseason? Like you're talking was, about? Uh, it, was, I, it was like, it was, it was, I think it was five goals in four games. I, I'd, love, I'd love 11. 11 would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was a lot. It was, yeah. You, like you said, you just couldn't, I mean, but were you actually, did, obviously this meant more, but 
was it just like an extension of, Hey, I've been, this is what I've been doing the last few weeks in the, uh, or was this like, this is it? No, not at all, actually. So, um, I got, so I ended up making the team, um, going through the whole, uh, probably another week of, you know, the whole introduction phase. And, um, uh, even Dave Tippett told me, he goes like, Haji, I had no idea who you were before training camp, like at all. <laughs> like, no, like we were, I remember when we were in the golf outing and, uh, I forget what city we were in. And he goes, Hey, welcome to the team. I had, this is my first conversation with him. He goes, I'm not going to lie. I had no idea who you are, <laughs> but I, I, but I hope you can really score goals. Like you can score goals. So, um, so I ended up getting healthy scratch for the first two games. So like complete elation, making the team, this is unbelievable sit the first game, man, that sucks. Sit the second game. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my shot here soon. Like I, I have to, I get sent to the minors before I play my first game. And then once, like, once you get sent down, there's absolutely zero guarantee that you're coming back up. Like I uh, was confident that I would get the, hopefully get the first call when it came. But if you go to the American league and you, you know, you shit the bed, that's kind of, you just, you can get buried real quick. And, uh, I went to the American League and I shit the bed. I played three games. I had no points. And I think I was minus five. So I said, that's it. I'm done. It's over. Like, it's, I, I, I screwed it up. Um, and, you know, crazy enough, um, David Moth broke his hand. Um, and we knew someone was going to get the call. We knew they needed a forward. Um, and I think 1230, I was in Portland in a hotel. My phone rang. It was Ray Edwards was our head coach. And he goes, hey, you know, pack your bags. You got a flight in the morning. You're going to Arizona. You're playing tomorrow night. And I go, I go, wow, I'm, I'm pretty surprised after my weekend. And she goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, he goes, yeah, me too. I was like, thanks, coach. Like, great. Oh, we didn't have a, a great relationship to begin with him, and I, unfortunately. But he goes, yeah, me too. And I didn't care. I said, all right, whatever. Called my old man and uh, tried to get some sleep. And then, you know, the long flight from Portland to – I had to go Portland, Boston, all the way to Scottsdale. Um, but um, – but yeah, so then played that night, um, had a score to power play goal, was not on the power play to begin with, but I was playing great. I was, I was honestly having a really, really good game. Um, and uh, I drew the penalty that put us on the power play. We were down by one in the third period. Um, and Tip kick, kicks me in the ass. He goes, like, you're going. I forget whose spot I took on the power play. But he goes, you're going. I said, what? I know, like, I know how to play the power play, but I don't know what, what's going on. And he said, just go stand here and that's your job. And then, you know, make whatever play that you think, you know, use your, your hockey IQ. So it was just the perfect storm. I mean, Yandel is one of the best defensemen at getting shots through, had a, got a great shot through head up. He was climbing there, moving across the blue line. And then Korpakowski just kind of picked up the rebound and tapped it back door, which is where I was supposed to stand. And I had four by six wide open net, like could not miss which i've missed actually in and before and after in, in different scenarios but four by six and and then uh and then yeah after that it was like i don't know pure just your emotions just pour out and take over and skate into the glass and jump into the glass we went overtime we won i got one of the stars it was like uh that fairy tale stuff so did you ever have a moment maybe during that first game maybe when you first walked in the locker room were you able to look around and go man i made it yeah. it was pretty crazy i mean you get i got there a little bit early so i could have some time to myself in the locker room but like there's just there's so much to do when you're there there's so much going on and um so like i didn't really have my first holy crap moment until i got to my car after the game and like driving home and then they play in glendale so you got you got about a 30 minute drive up the highway to scottsdale where most guys most guys stay um 
And that was pretty cool. I had a ton of text messages. Obviously, I, I didn't look at my phone. I didn't call anybody. I just, I didn't listen to music. I just like took that, that 30 minutes to kind of reflect. Um, and it was, uh, it was absolutely a special moment. Like I told you, giving up earlier in my career on the NHL, getting the shot, making a team, getting sent down, and then finally getting the call and scoring in my first game was, um, yeah, pretty special. And so you continued to play after that, um, whether it be in the AHL, whether when you returned overseas to, to play in Europe, what, what kept you wanting to play professionally? Yeah. So like the next season, um, I, uh, was signed in St. Louis did not go well. I did not play well in Chicago. Um, it was a much harder team to make. Um, and Chicago was going to trade me in January. And I said, you know what? My family was living in Fort Wayne at the time. They weren't with me in Chicago. Um, and I said, if I'm going to be in anywhere else in the U.S. that's not in Chicago, I kind of picked St. Louis and their farm team so I could be close to home and drive home and see the kids whenever I wanted to. Where, wherever I was else in, in the league, I most likely was not going to be able to do that. So I said, hey, do you mind if we just kind of part ways and rip up this contract? You don't have to find a trading partner. You don't have to take on another contract that you don't want. We can just part ways and I can go back to Europe because I had a, like a bunch of interest in, in Europe. So um that's just kind of how it goes. I was nowhere near done. You know, I was just, you know, still hitting my stride. Um, and then it was kind of the first, the second time around Europe wasn't as good as the first time there in Finland and Russia. So Sweden did not work out. Um, I just, I could not adapt to the league. It's, it's a very, very tough skating league, obviously with the Swedes and their systems were different. And, and I just, I, I honestly, I, I just struggled. Um, and then I went back to Finland, um, and it just wasn't as good as the first time around. You know what I mean? Like there was all these expectations and the team was different and I was older and, and, um, and just didn't perform the way I did the first time. So expectations were higher this time. And I just, you know, I just, I just struggled a little bit. So, um, I was just trying to find, find my place and kind of just kind of bounced around since and looking for different opportunities and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so, and I'm still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you just, um, you, you signed a deal with Sheffield over in, uh, in the UK. Tell us about how that came about. And uh, I think, you know, they, they didn't play with COVID that league that they're in, but uh, you probably would have played with them a year ago, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So I was like, you no, know, we didn't have a deal done by any means, but I was talking with Foxy, the head coach, Aaron Fox last summer um because um sheffield i've always wanted to play in the english league and sheffield from what i've heard is you know the place to be the fans are great um the great coach play the game knows the game players coach um great city good setup I, I just heard nothing but great things so we were talking and we had you know a, you know an idea of what the contract was going to look like but you know him being as, as uh, you know the guy he is foxy said i don't think we're going to play like with how bad covid was you know spreading through the uk he goes honestly like i would sign a new contract right now but it looks like we're not going to play and then you'd have to go and find something else so he said if you have something else ready he said i'd take it and which was you know cool of him to do that before they had actually canceled the season um that's how i ended up in budapest in hungary which you know i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't even know they played hockey in hungary before i signed in budapest um but i i was on elite prospects one day and Ke i saw keaton allenby's name pop up and it said, uh, you know, Fradi, Ferenc Baros. And, uh, and I, I, I messaged him on Instagram because I, I knew him from playing against him. I said, man, what are you doing playing in Hungary? The guy's got two, 200 NHL games. And like the Hungarian League, I just didn't know even existed. I'm not going to lie to you. And he goes, 
I'm living in Budapest. They called me and they offered me X. Um, and, and so I jumped all over it and I said, if you get me what you're getting, I said, I'll come. I was like, talk to the coach. So the coach was like, right away, boom, this happened fast. Are you serious? Yep. I'm serious. Okay. We're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And we got it done. And, and the hockey's great. Honestly, the hockey's great. They worked unbelievably hard over there. Um, there's a really good amount of skill on the high end. The top six forwards on every team have a ton of skill. So I was extremely thankful for my time in Budapest. Um, we run a lockdown, which, which was tough, but the city's amazing. I made a ton of good friends. Um, so I was really, really, really thankful for that. And then it was, but I kind of always had Sheffield, um, you know, in my sights. So as soon as the year, even before the year was done, I was reaching out to Foxy and he said, let's just, you know, pump the brakes. Let's we'll find out what the salary cap is, find out, make sure we're playing, which they were confident they were. Um, and then once they released the salary cap and he knew what he could pay guys and he was ready to make his team, it was done quick. So, and I couldn't be more excited. I can't wait to get there. Yeah. So how is your, your game? I mean, every player's game, if they have a, a, a long career, uh, changes, their game has to change. So, uh, how has your game changed over the years and what's kind of your role going into Sheffield? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm going to try and bring my leadership role, you know, with, with my experience in games played. Um, that is obviously always expected of a 33 year old guy, but they have such a good core leadership group there already. It's not like a, like a, a huge necessity, obviously I don't, I don't, I'd say at all. So I'll just try and add what I can to their already set core group. Um, and then I'll just be expected to, to contribute, to make plays, to score goals, to, I, I'm assuming I'll, I'll, you know, play on, well, it doesn't matter what line I play on, you know what I mean? Our, actually, our team is extremely deep. If you look at our roster and, and the guys that they are signing and haven't even announced that they are signing yet, it's, it, our roster is going to be extremely, extremely good. Um, the hockey in England keeps getting better, so... Um, I'll just honestly, it'll be the same thing. Not much has changed. I won't be expected to fight. Um, I know they do love their fights over there. So, um, who knows? I don't, I don't love, I usually end up either breaking my hand or losing. Like it never goes, <laughs> it never goes well when I fight. Um, so try and stay away from that and honestly just, and, and contribute on a regular basis. Um, because over there, there's no nights off. So their regular season is their championship. So like, you know, here, obviously there's the regular season and there's, you know, eight weeks of playoffs. Well, over there you play, I think it's 32 games. And then that's, that's the one you want to win. It's like soccer. That's like the English Premier League. Um, so if you fall behind in the race early, it's, it's tough. It's not like you get to go 500 and then battle through playoffs. You need the playoffs starts on day one. Like you got, you understand what I mean? So it's just, there's no nights off and I, and I am, um, it's going to be a very different experience for me, but I, I'm so excited to, uh, to see what it's like. Uh, I keep on hearing about how much better the hockey's getting. Um, I keep on hearing about the Sheffield fans um, and, and the town. And, and so I am extremely, extremely excited for this, uh, for this opportunity. So when you uh, sign a contract or just about ready to sign a contract with a team, does the GM or the coach, I mean, obviously you said you're talking to Fox. Uh, do they kind of give you expectations, kind of give you an idea of what they're looking for? Or do they just in general talk about, hey, we love your style of play. We feel you're going to be a good fit on our team. How specific do they get or non-specific do they get? I'd say earlier in my career, it's probably more specific. You know what I mean? Like just laying out the expectations. But at this point in my career, you know, they know what they're getting. Um and and I know what's expected so those conversations um well they'll, they'll be 
will we will i'm sure we will have that conversation you know i'm sure there'll be a meeting with foxy before the year and you get put on a line and you get put you know you, you kind of set the goals um but like i said at this point in my career you know they know what they're you know they're getting and, and why they're they're signing me and so it's just kind of you know the the, the change and the, the growth throughout your career that you kind of um you know you know what's expected of you and, and they know too so it's August 2nd. We're recording this August 2nd. When do you have to uh, be over there and get settled? No, no, no flight booked yet, but it looks like it's going to be anywhere from September 6th to the 10th. Um, so just starting to try and ramp up now skating uh, here in Fort Wayne. I'm, I'm a skills coach in town, so um, I'm working uh, with younger kids, and then I get to do my own thing as well. and I, I get the ice, which is nice. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, so September 10th. Or, eight, or six to 10 and then like we get right into it like when you go to russia you're there for two months before you play your first game oh, wow. um our first exhibition game is september 19th so it'll be a quick training camp and 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 right to work which uh i love cool nice nice do you know if it's able or easy to watch here in america like I, watch eihl yeah i imagine it will be easier so this will be the first english-speaking league that i played in overseas obviously which is great so i know like my family and friends are extremely excited to be able to follow it with much much ease and not yeah. like google translate which can be hilarious when you're trying to <laughs> um so i'm assuming that and, and their social media from the league to the teams is uh, like top notch um so i have to imagine that there will be uh, available streaming services for sure well, the fans are going to be great. Just uh, we mentioned this off air. We, we have uh, uh, a portion of our listeners from the UK, UK and only because we've had uh, North American players that have played over there and they somehow still follow their favorite players, even though they might be retired. And, you know, they happen to find, you know, our podcast with their players. So they're definitely uh, uh, a loyal, I think, a deep uh, fan base. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you should you should do well over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, like I said, the the um, the outreach on social media from the organization and then their following has been on like overwhelming, honestly. Um, and um, and so I, I expect great things. They do have a very very loyal fan base. Um, it's like you know, it's like it's their their whole. I'll say soccer and you know, football for the, for the UK fans, but right. you know, when they grab onto a team, that's, that's like life for them. That's, that's their, that's their everything. Um, and I think that they bring that to the hockey um, environment as well, which us as players are extremely lucky to have and what we play for. And, um, and uh, honestly, I like, I, I keep saying it, but I, I cannot wait to get going. I think, I think this is going to be a, a very, very good year. Cool. Lightning round questions. So we're just going to ask fast questions and you can uh, give us a, a name or you could tell us a story. It's up to you. We're going to kind of leave the talking to you. So uh, here we go. We're going to make you think a little bit and you might okay. have to make a split that second decision. A lot of guys are like, come on, I can't pick one. Yeah. But anyway, here, here we go. All right. Which league or team had the craziest fan base? Uh, Crayfeld. Favorite arena that you played in, including OHL, I mean, everything. Favorite arena? Yes. It'd be here in Fort Wayne. Okay. Which arena, because you've been through so many, had the worst ice conditions? Oh, um, probably the Rico Coliseum in Toronto, actually. Terrible. Wow, interesting. 
Was there a specific player, any name that pops up in your head that had an innate ability to get under your skin? <laughs> wait, wait, which player? Oh, on the other team? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking teammates. <laughs> <laughs> no, not roommates. <laughs> I could have wanted to wait. Uh, to get under my skin, um, uh, Rutu in Finland. Rutu. Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah. The toughest goalie to play against. Um, toughest goalie to play against. <laughs> uh, Nagel in Toledo. And I played for Fort Wayne on when I was when they were in the East Coast League. I couldn't score against the guy. Cannot score. Like four breakaways, can't score. <laughs> so excluding the KHL, which European league paid the best so far? Um Sweden. Sweden. Now, when you played over there, because I don't want to get into, into this discussion because we're running um, on time, but when, when you're talking like Sweden and Finland, and this is like they're like one of their top tier teams, because don't they have a lot of different tiers for pro leagues? And- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, I mean, there's a ton of, you know, second, third, fourth leagues over there. Um, thankfully, I've been in the top one since for. No, yeah, I'm lucky to be in the top ones. There's, there's been there's been interest from you know second leagues and the second league in Germany is good. The second league in Finland's okay. The second league in Sweden really really good. Um, and I've had opportunities to go, but you know, thankfully I've always been in the top tier. Craziest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game? Scoring on my own net on national TV. <laughs> I, I was I was back checking. Uh, <laughs> I was playing for Toronto against. Uh, well, you want the story? Yeah, I was, I, so it was my first CBC game, which is televised all throughout uh, Canada. Um, back checking, we were in Hamilton. Um, guy took a shot from the right wing and ended up on my stick in the slot and facing my own net. And I was trying to just whip the puck into the left corner, just like quickly get it out of danger. And instead of putting in the corner, I buried it in our own net, <laughs> like, like ripped it, ripped it. And I just, yeah, it was as embarrassing as it gets <laughs> so so is there a video on youtube somewhere where people bring this up yearly why would you bring that up <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. the video's got to exist i haven't seen it thankfully like i, I there was it was bad like there, you know what if you want to see the, it's the exact same thing patrick line did remember that when he scored yeah we just buried it ripped it like I, i'm not joking <laughs> i buried this rebound like it was it was it's awful like i got to the bench in dallas Aikens was like I was like, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't trying to score on our own net. I mean, was that, I mean, that had to be the skate of shame, right? Going back to the bench, going like, not a, yeah, I mean, not do your teammates shame. heckle you the whole time? Uh, <laughs> they kind of know that you like feel shame, like it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and we're a veteran team too. When I was a rookie or maybe my second year, and they were just like, what, like, what are you doing? I, I just I, I messed up, man. What do you want me to do? I was, like I wasn't trying. Uh, whatever. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, it's bad. Really bad. So, excluding, I, I would assume probably your first NHL game and maybe scoring that goal and everything. But other than that, what has been your favorite hockey memory in your career so far? Uh, my triple overtime game winner here in Game Seven when we won the championship. I was nineteen in Fort Wayne. My my first year, I was nineteen. We were down three one in the series. Came back game seven, and it was triple overtime. And I scored in, the, in like just like twenty seconds into the, the triple overtime to win it. So it was uh, it was like twelve thirty at night. That was uh, that was pretty cool. 
That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, well, Justin, we can't thank you enough for being on the podcast and for your time. And uh, yeah, we wish you well. And we'll certainly be following um, Sheffield and, and all your adventures over there. Awesome. Great. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. So we'll, we'll pause this and we'll say goodbye off air. All right, Justin Hodgman, man. Yeah, you love having the quote unquote what he said off the air suitcase player. Guys have played everywhere, but you know, I feel like that that kind of gets a negative connotation to the name, you know, journeyman or a suitcase player. But there's no nothing bad with playing everywhere and getting that experience, man. It's and interesting stuff. We have on quite a bit of our guests are you yeah. know, guys that have traveled all around and in the long run, I think when you're looking back in your career, I mean, you've got the opportunity to travel the world, yeah. you know, unless you're on a, you know, World Cup team. But even at that, you're only really going one place and he's been playing all over. And now he gets to go over in England and we want to give a shout out to our UK yeah. listeners here and you're getting a good guy. And I'm sure that they, uh, they're going to be uh, well introduced to, uh, to Haji there. And uh, we wish him the best of luck and we will have him back on. Don't know how we'll do it. Maybe after the season when he's back on the normal time zone. Yeah, I was about to say, because now I'm thinking about a UK time zone and I don't know how their internet is there. It's not like we've... we've... Well, it's not like a third world country, Andrew. Right, but I mean, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But uh, next week... Yeah, what do we got? We do have, this is for our Bruin fans, especially from the early nine or late 90s, early 2000s, Fred Knipshear. Yes. Um, he was in the organization for quite some time, but uh, had a cup of coffee with the Bruins. I think maybe max 30, 40 games over his career, but uh, I've always heard of his name, Knipshear, Freddie. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I, I remember him playing. Yeah. And uh, it'll be great to talk to him and and, uh, and relive that. And this this is what it's great for us as fans and like i said i remember him playing that we actually get to uh you know talk to players that we've we've watched play and players that we've not watched play that we've gotten to know and uh this is a great time for us and now i will say we did i don't know if we mentioned this off air on air just now but we are about a week wouldn't say behind a week ahead with episodes so what we recorded last week we recorded this week but on Wednesday, this is today's Monday, August 2nd, as we record this, we have another guest, Steve Septel. That's right. That's right. That's if right. you have read the book Shattered Ice, is it right? Shat- yeah. uh, but he wrote a book on that. He played a cup of coffee with the Washington Capitals, but played for the uh, the Lumberjacks, I believe, in the AHL for a couple of years. And uh, Washington fans will know him, so that'll be a good one. So probably have two episodes released this week because we – between today, Wednesday, right. next Monday, we got right. three guests. So, man, if you, if you like our podcast, we got a bunch of episodes coming out, a bunch of guests. So, and we want to say thank you. We do get uh, messages from yep. uh, listeners, and uh, they've all been positive. So that's a yep. good thing. Yep. But uh, we also get some messages, like we just talked about, from UK. Yep. Uh, talking about the uh, Cloutier interview, and and uh, they appreciated that, and and uh, welcome one and all. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll we'll get into Russia someday. They, yeah. They speak English over there. I yeah, they do. It. You know, yeah. We've had a lot of KHLers over yeah. there. We ask, we ask fun questions. So I'm sure they'd have fun with the, the stories we'll make them bring out. So it'll be a good time. Great. All right. Well, we're going to end it here, guys. Thank you so much. All right. And have a great day.